Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Zar. The date is April 13th, 2021. That's the recording date anyway. And today is episode 201. A really excellent interview with the super talented artist Jim Pavlik. I'm sure you've seen his work before. You may not know you've seen it, but you've probably seen it um, in the gaming industry. Anyway, he's got a really great Kickstarter project going on, and I've, I asked him to come on the show a long time ago for an interview, but, um, you know, things things happen, schedules conflict. But I saw that he had a new Kickstarter up, and I thought, well, you know, it'd be a perfect time to have him on the podcast to promote that. So, um if you search Jim, the way I found it, I'll have a link in the description, but if you search um, Jim Pavlik Kickstarter, it'll come up, um, P-A-V-E-L-E-C, and the, the project is called the Arscoatia Tarot Deck, where he's, do, he's painted all the demons of the <clears throat> Goetia. We'll talk about it. Really cool project. Really amazing painter. Excellent, excellent work. I really just love his work. So anyway, great interview coming up. Um, support his Kickstarter if you can. And uh, let's see. Yeah, that's coming up in a sec. What's new with me? What is new with me? Um, oh, I'm working on uh, my friend Chris Velasco's EP for the video game Carrion that he uh, did the music for he's a composer and he did the music for this video game called carrion carrion and um you know if you're a gamer i'm sure you know the game because it won a bafta award anyway he has released i think uh a couple other different vinyl albums of uh, music from the from the game and he's releasing a digital four song EP I think and um he really wanted me to do the cover so I'm doing the cover for that if you want to see it you can join my patreon at patreon.com slash chetzar that's where I'm posting all of my all of my work all of my progress shots and time lapses and tutorials and just everything is <clears throat> everything's on patreon for me now and the regular social media channels are I'm just showing kind of older work and uh, I'm really trying to get people to the Patreon because I really think it's the answer for people trying to make a living as an as artists nowadays and you could join for as little as a dollar a month you can't really beat the price anyway um, if you want to subscribe to uh, our Dark Art Society Patreon also you can go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety and uh, for as little as a dollar a month you can support this podcast being made and you get the podcast a day early and you get into the private Facebook group really cool community developing on there um, you know what 
I will uh, read off the new subscribers. I think there's only a couple. <clears throat> I got a frog in my throat or something. My my voice feels weird. Um, let's see. Okay, new subscribers this week. Slash House Studios. Okay, Slash House Studios, Chris. Thank you, Slash House Studios, Chris. Appreciate it. And Joe Graziano. Thank you so much, Joe, for supporting the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, let's see. I guess that's that's all that's going on really with me. Um, just working on commissions, working on the book, the dystopia book. I have another meeting. Like as soon as I'm done with this, I have a meeting with Mike, and we're going to finalize a huge chunk of text finally. So that's going to be good. So the dystopia book is still on track, still making huge progress, leaps and bounds, almost done. And uh, I guess that's it. You know what? Oh, how about a synesthesia word of the week? Let me think of a good one. <clears throat> I got a good one. Okay. Synesthesia name of the week. For those of you who don't know, I've got synesthesia, gastro, I can never pronounce it right, gastrolexical, I think, where uh, words, certain words and certain names have flavors to me. It's hard to explain, but if you look it up, you can maybe understand it a little better, but um, let's, I'm going to go with Gordon. Gordon is a very strong one. I don't know why. I don't know why any of this, it's, it's a, it's a cross wiring of the brain and, um, I think when I was maybe in my 30s, I realized I had been, I had had this my whole life, but I didn't realize it until one day I was like, hey, I bet you, I bet you other people, I wonder if other people have flavors for names. Anyway, Gordon, Gordon tastes like canned corn. Thank you very much. It's true. You can ask me in 10 years and I'll instantly ask me, what does Gordon taste like? And I'll say canned corn. Because that's the flavor of the name. I can't help it. It's not a logical thing. It's just the first thing that uh, come, comes to mind when I hear that name. And then the weird thing is that once I know a person, I don't have the flavor associated with their name. It's really strange. Anyway, let's get on with this excellent interview with Jim Pavlik. All right, enjoy. What's up, Jim? How you doing, Chet? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right, man. It's uh, great to be on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I mean, I, I, I've talked to you about it at Monster Palooza, I think. Was that it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Way back. I don't know how long that ago that was. but Yeah, it's been a while. It's so funny because when I started this podcast, I was, I start when I, it became, it started off with me and Mike Carell just like bullshitting and once in a while we'd interview an artist and then he had to leave the show. Um, and so I was on my own and I'm like, I can't do this on my, I just can't, I'm not one of those people that can just right. talk, you know? And so I started just interviewing artists and at first I was, or dark artists specifically. And at first I was worried that, I, that like, how long can I do this for? There's only a finite number of artists. And it's like, at this right. point, it's been four years oh, and wow. 200 episodes and there's so many artists still that I that I like talked to early on and got 
forgot about because it's just like I can barely keep up with it. But it's like I have this list and it just like keeps growing. So I, I, it's kind of funny that there's so many it made me realize how many people there are out there doing the kind of stuff that, that we're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of kick-ass stuff out there. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like, it's, it's almost too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your stuff is so amazing. I'm such Thank a huge you, fan, like incredible, really as good as it gets. It really is. Man, that means a lot to me coming from you. You've always been a, a huge influence on me and somebody, oh, no. you know, that I wow. looked up to when I decided, when I decided to, you know, quit illustration uh, and start doing just the dark stuff. You know, you were somebody I kind of looked at as a, a model of how to do it. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so cool to see someone of your, uh, you know, caliber of your skill level doing non-commercial work and doing like your real fine art stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's so nice to see. I, I wish more people could, could afford to do it, but you know, you know how it is. It's not easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks man. Yeah. Especially I saw when, once I saw, I don't know how long you've been doing the, um, the Goetia series, but when I first saw that, I was just like, that motherfucker. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such an amazing idea. I can't, you know, it's like, I wish I would have thought of that one. It's like so great. And this, and the, and they're so perfect. It's like, you're kind of the, you're the perfect artist to do it, really. I Thanks, think. man. Yeah. How yeah, do, I mean, it's yeah. something, the Goetia is something that came across when I was, you know, probably 19, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just something I thought was super cool. Uh I just thought the sigils were amazing. I mm -hmm. mean, people don't know about it. You, they've seen the sigils. Right. People use them for everything and everywhere. All kinds of movies like Hereditary and all that shit. Right. You know, use them. They're just so cool. But And the thing about those sigils is nobody really knows who did them. They don't know. Right. There's no, like, common, I guess, like, baseline code that is being you know, uh, described, I guess, with those sigils, you know, like the little hook in this thing doesn't really relate to anything. Right. You know, or the, those circles or the crosses or whatever, they don't really have a uniform story. Right. So nobody can really figure out what exactly they mean, who did them, when they came from, where they came from. And it's, I just find that super cool. Yeah. Totally super mysterious too. Okay, but yeah. what, before I, I really want to get into this, I'm, I'm really interested in this. But but before we get into uh, that stuff, I wanna I wanna know just about how you how you became an artist and and what your story is. How you know were you into this kind of stuff when you were a kid? And I'm sure you were an art kid. There's no yeah. way someone as good as you wasn't doing art when they were a kid. There's Thanks, no man. way. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I started super young. Uh, I started drawing probably when I was like five. Mm -hmm. I swear, like at five, I knew this is what I want to do. I just yeah, loved it. That's how I was too. You know, so I, and then you're just copying stuff, you know, comics and Snoopy and all, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. And, you know, and so I did that, you know, when I was super young, just cartoon, mostly cartoon stuff, like the Sunday comics. Mm -hmm. But then I found, you know, like, I guess when you get to be like 9, 10, 11, that kind of thing, you know, like uh, Marvel comics and Savage Sword of Conan was one of the first comics I ever saw in like the grocery store. Mm. 
And I was like, oh, shit, this is my jam right here. (laughs) So, yeah, and that's really, you know, just snowballed into a love of comics. And then I found Frazetta, which, you know, for many of us was just like the thing that blew the doors open. Yeah, me too. Because comics at the time, well, I think the things that really, the thing that really attracted me to the Savage Sword covers was uh, Joe Jusco's paintings. You know, so I don't know him. Yeah, he's he did a lot of Conan stuff. Okay, uh, and a ton of Marvel stuff in, in general. He does a lot of Tarzan stuff, kind of exclusively now. Ah. Uh, anyway, I guess I really was drawn to painting, but didn't really know it. You know, mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't do any painting uh, when I was young. I, I always just drew and and uh, you know black and white stuff. Same, yeah, same, same here. Because painting just seems so daunting, you know. And yeah. I didn't. No, you and know, a pencil young, and paper's always there around. Exactly, so and it's cheap. You yeah. know, you don't, and you can take it everywhere. Like you know, paints get a little more cumbersome. Right. Um. Yeah, but I, I just love painting. You know, but like I said, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, in my high school was terrible, had terrible art department. So Mm. we didn't learn shit about (laughs) painting there. Uh, I went to college, you know, at a pretty big university that was supposed to have this amazing art department, uh, Washington university in St. Louis. But like it was at the time, everybody was into like abstract expressionism, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there wasn't, really anybody there to show me how to you know draw and paint the figure the way that i want you know representational stuff there was nobody there that knew that and you know like people teaching art theory they didn't know what the hell they were talking about i mean it was just really not a great experience isn't that crazy to think an art school where they don't teach you figure drawing and all the (laughs) all this like classic techniques that even if you're doing that weird you know, conceptual stuff, it seems like you should have a basic knowledge of how to do the thing that it's coming from, you'd think. You know, you would think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was, you know, and we had like, you know, uh, in the first two years, uh, drawing from the model. Okay. But they would just like, be like, okay, start drawing. Like there was no instruction. Um, wow, that sucks. Or breakdown of anatomy or anything. Wow. You know, and it was just like, okay, you know, I'm just <laughs> trying to draw what I see. And then right. they come over and, you know, whoever the teacher is doesn't draw representationally. So he's doing all these weird demos on your pad. And you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Here. <laughs> but finally, my senior year, they brought a dude in. I was doing the illustration course uh, for my major. And they brought a dude in, you know, and I... He was like, what do you want to do? You know, and I showed him, like, man, I love Frazetta and Boris. And he was like, oh, cool. He's like, I can help you with that. Oh, so he, uh, he did an independent study with me and he gave me this book that was like techniques of the old masters. Yeah. And he just said every week, pick an old master, read how they did it and do a painting. That and sounds that like really, a fun class. <laughs> yeah. It helped me out a shitload to figure a lot of things out. Like you know, to figure out that I really needed to be looking at, you know, the old masters. It just opened me up to a whole world of, of different artists, you know, right. that I didn't 
didn't know anything about, you know, because when like a lot of people can get really stuck in, you know, comics and fantasy and that stuff. Right. And you, they don't sometimes get out of that and see where all that came from, mm-hmm. and, you know, learn, learn from those dudes. So that was super valuable, but that was my senior year, you know, so I really only had one year of somebody kind of showing me uh, some good stuff. Wow. You know, so when I graduated, my portfolio was not good. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, so I just went at it on my own, just tried to figure everything out on my own. Uh, you know, and, and then you meet other artists and, you know, learn from them. And uh, Right. And then my wife and I moved out to San Diego. Oh, is that uh, where you are now? You live? Is that where you live? No, I'm in Portland now. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Uh, we were in San Diego for about five years, and mm-hmm. I found the uh, Watts Atelier, you know, which is like a super, like, traditional way of learning drawing and painting. Yeah, I and think I, that's Eric. Uh, yeah, Eric, Eric Gist is a teacher Yeah, he, he's been on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, Eric's awesome. He is. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, amazing artist and a great teacher. And super nice guy, too. Well, I don't know about that. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> he was nice He's on the podcast. Right. <laughs> He's all right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, and then, so when I went in there, I was like, oh shit, these dudes are throwing down. Like, right. this is, this is what I need to be learning. Yeah. Uh, I was super young then. I didn't have a ton of money. So I was only able to take a couple semesters. But those, just those two semesters showed me how much I didn't know about drawing and right. painting especially drawing. Like, I think a lot of people think, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at drawing. And then when you see those dudes, you're like, Oh, right. I am not good at drawing at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the so, beginning of, of, you know, you got to get to that stage before you can get any good. Really. You have to come to that realization that I don't know shit basically, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that was a huge, you know, step in my education process. And, you know, they have a bunch of books, you know, that they recommend. Uh, so even when I wasn't, um, you know, in, in the room with them learning, you know, they had these great resources that really showed me a lot. Hmm. You know, so and it was kind of, you know, uh, just probably like a decade of working in gaming and just trying to get better. Yeah, how did you how did you get into that field? I mean, did, when you were going to college and going uh, to Watts, was it like, did you know you wanted to do illustration, or did you have a p- career plan in, in place at that point, or did it just kind of well, happen? I, I kind of, you know, so we, yeah, when I was in college, I figured that the best place for me was going to be like fantasy. That's that's what I liked was fantasy art a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, you know, the Michael Whalens and the Hildebrands and you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, uh, you know, that's what, I, that's what I was striving to do. But like I said, I was having a hard time getting there uh, as far as learning what I needed to know. Right. So then when I got out of college, you know, I just started going to conventions and really pursuing that uh, career. Hmm. That, that's simple. <laughs> I mean, you just kind of started I mean, networking yeah, and making connections. You know, I just, I had a, you know, I had like a quote, and I, you know, I was super young, I, you know, you're 21 or whatever. So mm-hmm. I had, you know, whatever, a, kind of a job working at a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I wasn't working there, I would just work on my portfolio nonstop, pretty wow. much. 
Yes, just who is trying it? to pick Go ahead. Well, what was the first place that hired you doing the illustration work for the kind of fantasy stuff? Oh, man. At the time, card games were kind of exploding. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a lot of work to be had, even if you weren't really very good. Hmm. You know, so I'm trying to think of what my first gig was. Some weird little sci-fi card game, I think. Galactic Empires or something. You know, <laughs> Must shit. have been exciting, but, though. When you yeah, get your first was, gig, you know, you know? It's, it's cool that, you know, when somebody is going to pay you yeah. to, you know, do your thing. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, just tons and tons of card games. Uh, I just kept, you know, trying to get better and better and better and keep going. Wow. Yeah. So you, I mean, how long were you, how long, did, sorry, if you, if you hear snoring, it's my, <laughs> my dog decided to come in and hang out so she's like snoring in the background <laughs> I, I already put her to sleep yeah, in my yeah. <laughs> nonsense rambling um so uh i mean how long have you been doing or how long had you been doing the whole card thing you've been doing it a long time right or the gaming yeah, I mean, industry I, or you know yeah like, i'd be, probably been doing the gaming industry like when i decided to stop jeez man I'm going to have to do some quick math here. <laughs> I know. Time's... I've probably been doing it about 15 years. That's, that's You know, when I was kind of starting to get like burnout and like. That's funny. Almost, probably even closer to 20, to be honest. Wow. Uh, when I was like, like you have to take so, you know, the pay isn't great. Hmm. Um, you know, unless you can like work on magic pretty much exclusively in that that small field it's really tough uh to make a living oh wow i didn't know that yeah yeah like you got to be like a brahm type or or like be one of those upper echelon people to make a decent living at it which i'm sure you got to you were that level well you know i mean even brahm had kind of went off and did his own thing. Right. Uh, as opposed to just staying strictly in gaming. Mm-hmm. The, the money, there's just not enough, really enough money in gaming. Like I said, and especially now, you know, now if you're painting traditionally and working on magic, the, the secondary market for paintings has kind of gone through the roof. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you get, but, you get uh, to keep your paintings and sell them, right? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But, um, that's how, I'm sure that's how they justify not paying you as much for the for the work, though. It's like here you get to keep the piece and sell it. Yeah, but I mean that the, this explosion in the market is pretty recent. Like, hmm. you know, ten years ago, you could you were barely getting a thousand dollars, you know, for a magic painting. Oh, wow. Nobody really gave a shit. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Now it's a big deal. But um, yeah, you know, outside of Watsi, uh, you know, there's just not a ton of money in that industry. Uh, so the problem then what you have to do is you got to take a ton of work right. to make ends meet. Well, when you take a ton of work, you just don't have the time to spend on a, a, any one piece. Right. So I just, com- my work just completely plateaued and was just, it just became a grind and I was just so bored with it. Mm-hmm. I was just getting bored with the descriptions and everything. Uh, Same old shit. Kind of like, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it, it sounds similar to, to my, my time in makeup effects. It was like, are you still there? You're kind of frozen. 
Can you hear me? Oh, wait a minute. Poor network connection. There we, there we go. Okay. Can you see me? Okay, cool. Okay, you, fro- yep. you froze for a minute. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, reminds me of, it sounds very similar to my effects work, makeup career where it was like, I was thinking about it last night because I realized we kind of had a similar parallel path in that way. And it was, I think I started in like right at a high school, like 86, 87. And by 2000, I was like, I'm going to become a painter. That's when I made the decision to become a painter. Then I started trying to teach myself to paint and stuff. So I think it was like 13, 13 years to where I got to that point where like, I got to get out. This is like, you know, as cool as it is to make monsters all day, it's just, it's like, you're right. still doing the same old shit, you know, it's like, and, and it sounds like, you know, for you, it was, you had to, you were freelancing. So you were having to take like a lot of work. I mean, my only saving grace was I was doing like nine to five, 40 hour weeks right. for the most part, unless there was a big project, but, um. Even then, it was just, it was still, it was a grind, you know, and I was just like, I gotta, I gotta do my own thing. This is driving me nuts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I was kind of falling out of love with fantasy. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I thought that fantasy was my thing, but then I realized, you know, that I was much more of a dark fantasy slash horror type Mm -hmm. uh, guy, you know? So I was like, well, and and I was just so dissatisfied with the quality of the work I was putting out. Oh, wow. You know, and I was getting to be like 40 years old, you know, and right. I'm like, man, I was like, do I want my legacy to just be all of this mediocre work that I'm not happy with? Right. I'm like, <laughs> because in your head, and I've talked to a lot of artists about this also, in, the he- in your head, you're like, well, I'll just keep cranking. And at some point... Uh, I'll get to the spot within this industry where I can slow down and really concentrate on pieces. But then you begin to realize that's just not going to happen. Right. Like, no, <laughs> you know, there's maybe uh, a handful of spots for people who can do that. Right. And those dudes are way better than me. <laughs> so, so, you know, that is just not going to happen. Right. So I was like, you know what? I just, you know, I talked to my wife. I was like, I'm going to stop taking the majority of freelance work. I'm going to get a part-time job. Uh, and I'm just going to focus uh, on doing the kind of work that I want to do. And I, I was like, I really need to work on my drawing skills. You know, I, my, I, I drew in kind of a linear fashion uh, back then. What do you mean? Uh, you know, everything was like described by line, you know, out, everything was oh, okay. outlined. Okay. Do much tonal work. Right. Uh, you know, cause the, all the drawings were just to send to an art director to get an okay and then to start painting. Right. So I didn't spend as much time as I, I should. Yeah. Yeah. And style just wasn't, I, I didn't like my drawing style. Um, right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to change all this. So yeah, I, you know, I stopped taking freelance. I got a a job working the front desk, uh, at a, a real fancy gym in Chicago. Uh, yeah. And then when I wasn't there, I was just working on, uh, 
getting my drawings to be better and changing my style to a more tonal style. Mm -hmm. And and I started working on toned paper and using like a a variety of lighter pastels to bring up the highlights instead of just working right on white paper. Mm -hmm. And that was a big, uh, a big deal for me that helped out a lot. And then I didn't have a specific project in mind at that time. You know, I was just kind of doing, uh, I just love doing creatures, you know, so I was just drawing creatures all the time. And, uh, you know, and as I worked on that, and I did a couple of little art books um, that I did Kickstarters for. Oh, that's you know, right. Yeah. Weird little monsters and creatures. And I had a bunch of other artists, you know, um, Gallon Williams and a, a bunch of guys like that. You know, we put these cool little books together and kickstarted them. And that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those were cool. But I was like, I need to find a unifying theme for this stuff other than just kind of r- random mm-hmm. nebulous monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I started thinking about stuff. And like I said, that's when I came back to the uh, Ars Goetia uh, and decided, uh, I was like, this is fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know, the, the descriptions in there are kind of, they get a little repetitive and are kind of boring. You know, it's always, oh, it's a dude with the head of a bull and, yeah. you know, another it's the very, tail of a serpent. It's you know, very it's just, of its time back then. Exactly. That's how monsters yeah, were. They're like animals and people put together, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Just so all kinds of just mashups of different <laughs> animals and people. Yeah. But like, well, what I'll do is, I'll take the demons and I'll just do my own thing. Yeah. Just, you know, and I knew that I wanted them to be like mostly uh, human based. I really love drawing and painting the human figure. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, I always wanted them to have some elements of like beauty, you know, like yeah. nice, you know, a beautiful woman's face or you know, a dude who's in amazing shape, you know, torso or something. Right. I always wanted that to be in there somewhere and then crazy shit, you know, coming (laughs) off of that. So yeah, it just kind of, I did a few and I was like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is with the right direction I need to be going. How long ago was this when you came to that realization? Oh man, it's probably been, Three years now, three okay. and a half years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you, you know, one of the problems I have when I first started painting is it's like I knew I wanted to do kind of dark stuff. I knew that, you know, and I have. I, I was. Um, I, I really. I sat down. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just do my thing now. And I just completely blanked out because I didn't have a starting point, especially coming from this commercial, um, kind of a commercial background where people are telling you, we need you to do this, or you need to do zombies, or you need to do, you know, this kind of monster or this. And then you've got some starting point and then you can kind of go, and then it gets the the wheels rolling and and you can, uh, you know, come up with cool stuff. And, and, uh, that was one of the big things for me to overcome when I first started painting is like, I could do anything. I need some sort of starting point. Yeah. And, and I really yeah. floundered for a, a couple of years in the beginning because I just didn't know where to go with it until I kind of came upon the portrait thing, the monster portrait thing. And that was like, that was like, oh, okay, there's there's the thing I should be doing. 
And so I, I totally get the idea that you, um, you need something, you need some kind of enclosure. You just can't do everything and whatever you want at any time. It's like, you need some kind of boundaries, I guess, I think, Yeah, you know, yeah. And I find uh, a lot of illustrators that I talk to have that same problem. You know, mm-hmm. when when left on their own just to do something, they're like, just like, man, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. You know? but, yeah, that's, they have a really hard time focusing in on one thing or one project or, or you're whatever. So, you're you used know? to having an art director telling you, you know, telling exactly. you what to do, basically. I, I, I refer to it as being institutionalized kind of (laughs) (laughs) yeah even you know even buddies i have even when they get a really vague description where the art director is just like yeah just kind of do something they're just like oh what right um (laughs) gotta give me more of that (laughs) okay and i always find that strange because you know and obviously all artists are different but yeah i just when i was in freelance i hated how restrictive it was oh yeah that's one of the reasons i left you know, they always yeah. say they want the most cool, amazing monster no one's ever seen. And then you give them that and they're like, mm, can you dial it back a little bit? <laughs> Make it a little yeah. more like or this you, thing. Can you dial it back a lot? Yeah. 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 It's like, well, <laughs> you said you then wanted. Then why did you hire me? Right. If you Ex- wanted to dial back and you hired the wrong dude. Right. Exactly. You should have hired the dialed back guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so then, yeah, then you're sitting there all day doing dialed back monsters and you're just like, Ugh, right. Fucking boring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, not only, you know, one of the things I bring this up, this comes up a lot on the podcast, but um, so I've talked about it plenty. But um, uh, uh, the thing that made me feel crazy, one of the big things was uh, where you're kind of you're trying to you know, you've got a great design and you're sort of trying to push it. And then the person, the people in charge are like, no, we want to make it more like this. And then and, you know, it's not as good that this yeah. is not as good because you're an artist, you know, what's cool. I mean, we're into this. We love monsters. This, these guys are like, you know, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's maybe not, the, not quite the same working with art directors, but when you've got like studio executives who just don't know shit about what is cool at all, they're just kind of like, you know, want to put their fingers in just to say they, they did. Yeah. And so it's like, you end up, you're fighting to get your design in and then it was like, made me feel like an asshole. Like, why am I fighting you to make your project better yeah. than you're going to make all the money on? And and yeah. I'm getting all frustrated. It's like, this is crazy making. You know, yeah. this is not healthy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. So, <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the concept is is amazing. It's really, really, uh, really amazing. I, I So how... how um, how how much did you how how much have you researched with this stuff like have you do you, are you like do you know about the whole solomonic magic system because i'm pretty sure the from what i know the goetia demons are like a form of solomonic magic they call it yeah yeah so like uh the the story is like uh when King Solomon uh, went to build the great temple, uh, he recruited uh, – he had power over these 72 demons you know, that are right. in the, the book through this ring um, that some angel gave him. I think Michael or somebody. I can't really remember. But anyhow, he had the power over these demons, you know, and he's like, use them to build this massive temple. Uh, and 
the story as I know it is once he was done, he sealed them all up in like this brass vessel. Right. And then he threw that vessel into uh, some uh, a river. Um, I want to say the Euphrates, but that could be incorrect. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Anyhow, he didn't seal the vessel up properly. Uh, so then all the demons got out. And that is how that they're out there and that you're able to, you know, through um, the procedures that are described in the book, you know, summon these demons and have and you know, learn from them and uh, have them you know. do shit for you or whatever. Yeah, basically. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, uh, do you know uh, Lon Milo Duquette? Do you know that guy? No, I don't. He's like, uh, he's a practicing magician, like, like a real, not a, not a, a, (laughs) and, um, he's, he's like, I think he's seven in early seventies, super cool guy, super awesome guy, like really funny and really, he's got such a great attitude about it, about the whole magic thing. He's like, he's very just like lighthearted and not, uh, not all serious really. You know what I mean? Right. But he, um, he gives Every day, he's gotten all these books. He's written on the occult and and his his experience with magic, and you know he's done the Goetia work. He's like worked with demons and all this stuff. And he he's got um, every day on Facebook at like ten a.m. He reads like twenty minutes from one of his books, and he's got a ton of books. And um, he talks a lot about uh, uh, doing like that, doing the magic work with these demons and it's like it's a fucking trip man it's really weird it's you have to check it out that sounds awesome yeah it's really interesting because i i mean i've been i think i've been studying occult magic like in practice for like three years ish right i started Mm -hmm. i started um uh learning from this guy online i've had the podcast this guy jason lou He's got like a yeah. Ma- I'm I'm familiar with with him. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's uh he's got a magic school online, basically a yeah. you know video magic school, but and he's like, don't mess with Goetia, don't fuck with it. It's like it's too dangerous. You just you can do if you're looking to manifest this that if you're looking to get in line, you know whatever it is you're looking to get out of it, you can do it your yourself through your own power your own magic or whatever you don't have to go to demons demons are lower than you now lon duquette who jason says is the greatest living magician is like he's into it he's like they're parts of your psychology or you know they're parts of you and it's like as long as you follow the rules you you know you're not going to get fucked with and and he even reads uh, one of the chapters from his book. He reads about how he kind of screwed one of his operations up and how it how it negatively affected him. And it wasn't like he got possessed. It was like he ended up getting the the uh, the kind of ointment, the oil that you're supposed to use in this operation that had I think cinnamon in it or some kind of pepper. And he accidentally wiped his eyes and it, like made his eyes burn. He's like that's <laughs> kind of you know. So so it's just interesting because they both have this really different perspective on working with those demons you know right so i don't know have yeah, you i haven't like i haven't gotten into the practice very much but i do find all that pretty fascinating it's interesting it is it's uh 
I think Crowley said that the that the demons of Goetia were parts of your brain. That's how he he de- yeah. described it. But all of this stuff is like it's something, but nobody knows what any of it is, really. But people, since they don't know what it is, they just think, oh, it's just make-believe. But it's not make-believe, but it's not necessarily what you think it is based on, you know, everything we know or everything we've been taught about this stuff. It's just kind of all beyond experience. And it's like, who knows what the hell it is? Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? But, you know, the thing is, you kind of, if you do the stuff, you get the results, I've seen it happen over and over. So it, you know, it's just like, it's something. Yeah. Like (laughs) if you, if you are going to focus your will and intent on a thing, you know, uh, uh, like, I think that's what a lot of magic is. It's just, you know, like focusing your will and intent on the, the, whatever you're trying to achieve. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, whether there's some entity out there that aided you, you know, I think, I think like lay people think that demon, you know, they think that demons are, are what was written in those things. Like right. some spirit with the head of an ox and you know, all, that, all that stuff. And like, well, those are just like metaphors, right. you know, for what's going on. Like, you know, yeah, maybe it is part of your brain. You know, maybe you are just focusing very hard to, you know, activate some part of your brain to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve. And then once you've achieved it, it's like that entity helped you achieve right. it. Right. Or yeah, and it's and you get you know you start when you start asking these questions, you kind of get into what is even reality, really. You know what I mean? It's like, right? You did this thing, like even Lon talks about in one of his one of the things where he was he he got called to exercise. Uh, I think like a a Catholic girls' school or something where all this stuff kept happening, and he did like a, a he summoned up this demon and it came he said he saw it he says you see the stuff and it's like you kind of see it in your mind's eye and it's in the triangle because there's like this big thing you got to lay out and there's a triangle where the demon appears and you got to keep it in there and and um he said he saw it It was like a giant bird and it was like talking to him but it was like you know he didn't physically see it but he had the sense in his mind that it was standing there and um you know it, it just gets into that's not a real entity, but what is a real entity? You yeah, know, exactly. it's like, yeah. it, you kind of, that's what's kind of one of the things that makes people, I think they get into magic. It, one thing, it, it does have the potential to make people go crazy. I think if you're not doing it properly and staying grounded, because it's like you, it's basically, it's like doing psychedelics or tripping. It's like, right. If you're not grounded, you can go crazy because you don't know what really, what reality and what, what fantasy is anymore you know yeah um anyway i don't know i'm I'm, I'm... yeah well yeah i mean like you say like you know if if you take psychedelics or whatever you know you might uh i have i've never done dmt but i've heard quite a few stories about it and all the stuff that you see so is that not real i mean right 
Yeah. You it's know, like, it's, yeah. you're seeing it. Right. You know, you might not be able to reach out and physically grab it, yeah. but you're definitely seeing it. And it's, it's is as that, real as, as a lot of other stuff, yeah. I would say. I mean, you is know, a or, thought real? Thoughts are right. real, right? I mean, you have them. They are things. It's just, we just, you know, we have this idea that something that's physically there that you can touch and feel is kind of the end all be all. And that's all that there is. But it's like, what about thoughts or what about dreams? What about all this right. shit? You know? Right. Um, have you had any, any, have you had any weird experiences in your life? Like, you know, paranormal or strange kind of things like that? Cause I had a really good one recently. I want to tell you about Cause it reminds you of the demon go, go shit things. Uh, no, not really. To be honest, interesting. Yeah, I haven't. It's funny that you're you're intuiting all these, you know, demons of the Goetia so amazingly well. You know, it's it's like you're you're. I mean, like, <laughs> it's so hard to. You know, when I sit down and I'm working. You know, that's another thing. Like when I see whatever it is I'm creating, I see that in my mind's eye. Right. You know, and it's, I make it as real as I can on, on the page. Like, you know, where did that come from? That right. was that when I sat down in, the, uh, in front of this blank piece of paper or the blank screen or whatever, there was nothing there. Right. And all of a sudden there's this thing that other people can look at and be like, Holy shit, that that's cool or whatever, <laughs> you know? And they kind of, you know, like I said, it has recognizable bits, but then it morphs into these things, mm -hmm. and it's 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 a real thing. You know, you've seen right. it; it's impacted you. So, uh, in that way, I would say yes. Yeah, right. You I know, mean, but, I mean, that's essentially though. Uh, you know, well, that's kind of like on my website. That's what I say. Like, you know, like people have their different kind of magical practice practices, uh, and I just say that mine is. My magical practice is just like a uh, visual, you know, right. like, yeah, uh, I'm, you know, focusing my will and intent to create something where there wasn't something before. Right. Uh, and, and what everybody's seeing are just the ones that I'm deeming somewhat successful, right? Successful experimentations. There's a ton of stuff that was not successful. That oh, you ain't ever gonna see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a good way of putting it. Because I mean, really, that's that's sort of you know one. Although I always kind of you know intellectually knew this. One thing that I really learned from uh, uh, practicing was that really art art is for artists. Art is the magic. It's the magic. Uh, it's it's the the magical practice. It's the art. Yes, is creating art is basically magic. You know, yes. it really, it really is. And um, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing that uh, I'm not to interrupt. Oh no, there go was for a it. Magician. Uh, I would say early 1900s. Austin Osman uh, Spare. Yeah, Spare. Yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing, amazing. Art. Yeah, and you know, super important magician, yeah. but. You know, that was part of his deal. He was one of the dudes who was big into the, you know, the automatic drawing where you just let your hand kind of move right. around. Yeah. All that. And, uh, you know, all the, he had all this little uh, 
like his own alphabet and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, Led Zeppelin was really big into him, and they right. used some of his stuff on all their albums and stuff. But, yeah, oh, I didn't know yeah, that was he, that was his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the Zoso thing. Zoso, yeah, that's, that's from him. Oh, funny. That's cool. Yeah, he developed the whole the sigil technique too. Yeah, the, the that was yeah he was like a, a huge, huge. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I just it's it's like you know once I. I think our artists are already kind of naturally, you know, to use the, the terminology magicians, you know, it's like, it's not, we're like really our, 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 uh, you know, it's our, it's our, you know, what there's using your, uh, craft to create something that changes the consciousness of others is, is, a yeah. you, know, you know, basically what art is, you know, it's like changing, another person's consciousness by creating something for them to look at, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny because I've come sort of full circle. I was like, I've been dabbling with this shit my entire life. Cause my mom was really into like new age stuff in the, you know, 80s, 70s and 80s when I was a kid and she would teach me all this visualization techniques. So I was always, it was normal to me. So I was always kind of doing that stuff. And, um, then I, you know, a few years ago, I was like, I'm, I was just thinking, you know, I've always been kind of like a dabbler and, and I read a lot, but I never really took up a structured, um, any kind of just practiced in a structured way. And so I right. started doing the, the Jason Louvre stuff and, you know, basically the conclusion, I mean, what it ultimately got me to do, it taught me a few techniques for doing things like the LBRP and just like certain energy cleansing rituals and this and that. But it really, it mainly got me meditating every day, which was like the big important thing I got out of it. But it also was like, you've always been doing this, you know, you've known it since you were in the first grade when you're an artist, that was your calling that, you know, the magic right. it's, it is, it's the art. It's like, I was already doing it. It's like, I sort of had to go through, um, a structured, I had to really kind of try it like for real and learn it to realize that I kind of have already been doing it, you know, all along through my artwork. Right. And that was it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Then I was on the right path. It took me like till I was 50, 50 something years old to, to trust that I was, you know, already kind of on that path. But, um, uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's super, super interesting, um, stuff, but, uh, I, uh, I mean, how, when you, when you're sitting down, are you, you've got to be going intuitively for creating a lot of these things. You're not, are you logically going, okay, this demon represents this and this and this. So how do I logically do this? No, how, no, it's super, it, it's it super seems, intuitive. Yeah, like, it I'm seems just intuitive like, to me. I'm just mashing stuff around, pushing stuff around until I see something that I like and think is interesting right. that I haven't seen a thousand times already. Right. Yeah. Which you is know, the automatic the big, writing, drawing thing, really. You know, yeah, that's the, the one thing I really wanted to try and stay away from it, it with this project was, you know, doing the, just the typical cloven hoof, big uh, horn, big teeth, angry brows. Teeth. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know, we've seen that, um, enough. Yeah. So, and it was, um, so be, uh, I want to say 
late mid 1800s this dude named uh colin de plancy a french dude did a book called the dictionnaire infernal so like the infernal dictionary mm. just giant encyclopedia of demons oh, how cool and he had this dude named uh jules le breton do a ton of illustrations and they're so badass and uh, you've seen really? them around yeah yeah i gotta look um, the so like, um, you know, and then a lot of them overlapped with Goetia demons. Uh, and I, like, even though my style is crazy different from his, I really wanted to do kind of some of what he was doing and just like, his are really just bizarre, you know, like the, my favorite one is of the, his version of this demon named Buer, uh, B-U-E-R. I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of this stuff mm. right, but <laughs> anyway, it's like this cool, like uh demon head in the middle of like five goat legs kind of circling oh, around. Like, kind of like a spider. It yeah. looks like, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. that one. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And, yeah. So yeah, he was like a big influence on like, just like not visually how I was going to approach it, but conceptually. Right. Like, you know, just kind of think outside of the box and don't do what you've seen all over the place before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and this dude was doing it, you know, in the mid 1800s. Yeah. That's pretty amazing when you think about yeah. it. Because like, what did he have to look at? He had nothing to look right. at. Right. Yeah, really. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have reference books. <laughs> Not like yeah, we have so today. He was just coming up with all this crazy shit on his own. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yes, yes. Where you or I, I mean, we have we could look at everything that's yeah, been done on the subject at it in two art, seconds. Art history. We've all of art history. We've got all of every movie ever made at our fingertips. Yeah, just and, at our fingertips, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a. I'm uh, always fascinated. Like, I love uh, Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. You know those definitely. dudes because they were like the first dudes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they had nothing to look at. And yeah. they just created all this crazy <laughs> shit. And you were like, man, what were these dudes up to? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. They had no reference to go from. What a trip. I guess maybe yeah, dream you could say dreams or nightmares were probably something that you could you could kind of refer or the only thing really you could refer to for weird shit like that. I'm sure that there were some, you know, writings, you know, that they yeah, could read that, right. that talked about some of that stuff, but especially for Bosch, you know, I don't I think it's what 1400s or yeah. late 1400s, early 1500s. There Crazy. had to be nothing. <laughs> and just doing all of this bizarre shit. Yeah. But I'm super fascinated by him because there's so little like actual documentation about him. Mm. Uh, so nobody really knows right. you know, what his deal was. Or what drugs he was on. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, there's, he was part of some uh, kind of branch of Catholicism, I believe. Uh, and, you know, every whatever is written seemed like he was just pretty, you know, like a regular Christian dude just living his life, you know, being a nice guy. <laughs> but it's like, well, where'd all these paintings come from? Yeah. And like, this, something is going on, and I'd really love to know. But yeah, yeah there's nothing out there on him, so... I'm just super fascinated by that dude. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of my earliest um, 
influences. Back when I was a little kid, I used to look at that Garden yeah. of Earthly Delights and just trip out. Yeah, it is wild. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of, um, I don't know. There's a bunch of different things I was going to ask you about. I, I, I just curious. I, fe- I play this game, and you know, it's not necessarily true, but I like to pretend. Or maybe I, maybe it is that way. I don't know. I feel like the 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 creatures I'm painting are they want to be painted. Like somehow, it's almost like it's just really a way I frame it for my own amusement, really, because <laughs> I'm just painting yeah, shit. Yeah, no, I think the, I, I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's like I I honestly I'm painting the. The stuff I'm painting is because I think it's super cool and it's super fun to do and it's the kind of stuff I want to see. That's basically what, ultimately why I'm doing it. But yeah. I like to, I like to kind of play this game like, um, like I'm honoring them by painting their portrait instead of ignoring them where they yeah. can maybe cause damage. If they if they were like demons or a dark side of myself, it's like by kind of ignoring it. And keeping it down, you're you're asking for trouble in a way. It's like that's when stuff can mess with you psychologically right. or whatever. And it's like so so it's almost like painting their portraits is my way of honoring them and 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 uh, acknowledging them. And, yeah, and, I like that. You know, yeah. and I kind of, and it feels like that, even though I you know I just do what I do, and it's a and it's a totally just like you. It's this intuitive thing where I just you know sketch out something until i think it looks cool and i just you know how it works it's hard to explain right. it's really hard yeah. especially for people who, who don't know how to draw or anything it's really really almost impossible to explain how it works but um i don't know i kind of feel that way and i sort of feel like it's my my job as an artist to to represent them realistically and like in the best the best way I can like to, to do, you know, that's my job is, you know, not to be the cool artist or, or impose my will on these things, but like be of service to creating the, the, the portrait of them. Yeah. I, that is, that's a great way to put it. And I, I agree a hundred percent, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like, like, like you said, I'm not some big hotshot cool artist. I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> like even with social media and stuff, I don't like talking about myself very much. Right. Just, Here's my art. Right. Like I'm just like, I just feel like I'm kind of a uh, conduit of these yeah. things that I just want to, I just enjoy. I enjoy making them uh and putting them out there that's just that's just really all i want to do i don't really <laughs> care about all the fanfare and all the bullshit and um it's a means yeah, to an like, end that stuff's a means to an end it's like to me it's like the promotional angle fame whatever is a way that i could just keep painting right right and that's my goal and so i'm kind of going to do whatever it takes to make that you know be supported financially or whatever that's the way I look at it. That's how I justify yeah. being able to do it, really, and promote myself in that way. It's like, okay, you don't want to do it, but you want to keep painting, right. so this is what you exactly. got to do if you want to keep painting. <laughs> exactly. It's 
like taking out the but garbage. But I like or something. I like how you said like you don't feel like you know you like you're imposing your will on these over these things to get them on your paper or board or whatever. Like right, they're telling yeah, me. I feel that way of. too. Like I'm I'm facilitating their kind of entry into this world. Right. More than I'm, you know, punishing the, the paper or the canvas into, right. into my will. And <laughs> then this thing comes out of it. No, nah, I don't really feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I like what you said. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it, cool. Uh, yeah. And I think that this is like, <clears throat> it's hard to talk about this stuff because it's so, I don't know, it's kind of nebulous, but. Right. I kind of have this idea about dark art being like, uh, okay, <laughs> you have to take like you know if you take kind of a philosophical perspective, spiritually speaking, or whatever that you know the the way I kind of see things is nature always is constantly creating kind of what it needs for whatever it's doing and you know it's it's existing and it's constantly evolving basically nature has been from the beginning of time it's turning into this thing it's always turning into some new thing right like right that seems pretty normal and accepted um and so but to, to you know to kind of follow that philosophy through you have to kind of go okay so wars all the horrible shit people do to each other it's all there's some purpose to it somehow. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not advanced enough to understand it. But you have to kind of go, well, if it exists, it's happening for some kind of reason. And so I kind of, I, I just basically have this overall view. This is kind of how I view life. It's like even if terrible shit happens, somehow it's part of this puzzle that's doing whatever it's doing, that's doing this thing that I may not understand. And since with, with the dark art thing, I have this idea that, you know, all people like you and me and all these other, there's a lot of us now doing this dark art stuff. And to me, it says that nature wants this stuff out there among a million, billion, trillion other things that's going, that's going on, you know, and happening at the same time. One of the things, um, you know, nature or whatever, God or whatever you want to call it, is kind of like calling these certain artists to do this certain specific kind of artwork that you, that's really – it's so – you know, the thing about dark art is that it so goes against what most people think of as art, you know? You know, most people are like, oh, it's about beauty and traditional beauty, fruit right. and beautiful women laying on couches and – you know, this sort of thing. It really is, is different. <clears throat> it's really different, especially dark art. So it's kind of like, what is, you know, I wonder what, what is the reason? What, what, what's not that we can ever know, but it's like, why are a bunch of people creating this kind of dark art right now? And, uh, I think part of it, part of it to me feels like it's a, uh, it's a healthy way to, acknowledge the dark parts of ourselves rather than letting it, keeping it inside and becoming like a problem psychologically or mentally or emotionally. It's like a way right. that people can 
It's like we're externalizing our own kind of darkness and turning it into something beautiful and cool and interesting to look at. And other people can look at it and like see their own darkness on a wall in a safe environment. And somehow that's like psychologically a way for them to process their own shadow in a way rather than just ignoring it and going crazy. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's just my theory. I don't know if it's true. (laughs) I hope it's true. (laughs) No, I like it. Yeah. I'm on board. All right. Sign me up. (laughs) So when I was first doing it, very first, I was feeling kind of guilty. Like it was so unusual at the time. I was like, man, am I, am I imposing this on other people or something? Like, making them feel bad and, and, you know, scaring them. And, but, but, but as I did it, you know, I realized that people, there's a lot of other people like me that it made them feel good to see it. It was the opposite, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't think I ever really had that, you know, cause I've always been a big fan of horror movies and stuff. And I always just knew that, you know, that's, that's what that was. You know, you go to see horror movies to, you know, to be scared, but in a controlled environment, right? You know, where you know that it's not nothing bad is going to happen, and to get some of that stuff, you know, out of your system and deal with it, right? You know, so I was like, well, that's just what my art is. Even though I don't, I stay away from gore and stuff, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I like to call my stuff grotesque. Um, yeah, that's which has like a historical, yeah, definitely and stuff. Yeah. But, um. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, it's just that's that stuff is in there, uh, and like you said, you can either find a way to get it out and deal with it, or if you keep it bottled up inside, it's not good. You yeah, know, <laughs> bad shit's gonna happen, <laughs> and yeah. it's gonna be way worse than you know some painting on a wall in a gallery. Someplace. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's you know it's just a trip. The whole thing's a trip to me. It's it's interesting. It's it's interesting that there's so many people that right now, the world the way it is, you know, we're all creating this kind of artwork that's really so reflecting how scary things are in the world nowadays. That's really a big part of it. It's like this kind of reflection. Everybody is most pe- not everybody. It seems like overall, especially in America, but just kind of everywhere, it's just like there's anxiety and there's, you know, people are worried and afraid. And it just seems like this is kind of the, this is the kind of art you get when things are like this in a way too. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you know, you've been talking about, you know, Jason Louv and the occult and stuff and all these figures now, like there seems to be a real resurgence uh, in, in occult stuff too. And I really think like, I feel like, um, you know, with these these massive corporations and governments, and I just feel like people feel like they don't have control right. of things. So I think that's why there's been this resurgence in the occult mm-hmm. uh, philosophy and practice and stuff. Totally. So people can be like, you know, I don't have control. A lot of it's what I take control of and, and focus my attention on. So I think that's why that is happening. And then, again, why there's been kind of this, I wouldn't say explosion, but it's definitely been 
a ramping up of, of dark art and acceptance of it and more people doing it mm-hmm. and you know the quality of it going higher and higher right and yeah i think that you know it's it's just a reflection of the times that we live in yeah yeah i've even heard jason say that before in one of the classes is that you know it's exactly what you said it's like people feel powerless in these in the in the, the ages of you know huge corporations big government you know, it's just they feel powerless. So it's it's going back to this traditional. I mean, that's a, kind of the cool thing about about uh, magic is that it's like it's something that you can do for yourself to kind of control your environment in a way. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but uh, uh, oh, what was I going to say? <sighs> I had a really good one. Damn it! I had a really good point I was going to make. I lost it. I hate that. Oh, I do it every episode at least. I, I don't, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while. I used to do it every single episode. Um, <laughs> this is the first time in a while. God, it was a really important point. I need to start writing things down as I think of them. But, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, we were talking about dark art in the world, the resurgence, the resurgence of magic, power you know fuck it's gone (laughs) oh well it'll come back it always comes back around um uh, oh i know what i was gonna say i remember i remember oh awesome i was gonna say uh you talked about the quality of dark art going up i that's one of the reasons i'm so happy that you are doing your thing is i don't want to say selfishly but because I, I'm such an advocate for dark art and this whole movement, I really feel like I, I want to uh, I want to see it do well because yeah. I think it's legitimate. I, it's my favorite kind of art. I think it deserves more respect. That's what this whole podcast is about. And so to have you, someone of your caliber, like on our team, really really raises seriously really raises the level of you know this is real people you know who know their shit are doing this kind of art, you know? So it really gives a lot of credibility to the whole movement. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. That means so, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your stuff is so, so good. So amazing. Thanks, oh, I man. love it. I love it. It's like, you know, I used to feel like, and maybe you feel this way too. Um, a way that I could make my life all this time I spent working in effects that ended up being like, Okay, it was fun, but it left me unfulfilled ultimately because I wasn't doing my own work. I ended up feeling like if I can use what I learned in effects and apply it to stuff I, that is important, which is my fine art stuff, then I'll feel like I have taken this thing instead of being this big waste of time and just yeah. a thing to pay the bills. I'm taking what I learned there and I'm using it for good instead of evil <laughs> in a way, yes. you know what I mean? And, yeah, I, I definitely don't look at my time in illustration as any kind of waste of time or anything like that. I just got burnt out, you know. And yeah, I learned a ton. I'm, you know, my skills improved quite a bit. But like I said, it's just it, as far as leaving much. leaving something, you know, doing something that you felt mattered. That's how I, I didn't. I felt like I was doing all this hard work trying to make amazing shit, and then most of the time the movie would suck. And it's like the movie, the whole reason for the effect in the first place is the movie. And then you put all this hard work in and it's just like a bad movie. It's like, you know, that's unfulfilling. 
<laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Definitely. So I don't know. I just felt to me, it's like, I, I feel, you know, after however I ended up, I think leaving right around 20 years I was in there. It really felt like I have to make this work so it can be more than just a paycheck. And, a, you know, it was fun. I learned a ton. There's all these great, right. it was like art school. It was like the best art school ever for me going, yeah. working in effects. Um, but still, it's like if I don't if I don't apply it towards something I think is really important, it's kind of going to be have been a waste. That's right. how I felt, you know. If it was just that, yeah, that makes know. sense. Yeah, you know. But uh, I mean, it's so cool that you got a you got a a day job, a, a part time job, and everything. I mean, that's like commitment after you know. Yeah, dude, and I I even worked a shift where I had to be at the gym at like four thirty in the morning Sheesh. to open it up. You know, and, <laughs> but that's the reason I took that shift after a while was because it was like. Uh, maybe only like four or five hours long, you know, so I would get right. there early as hell, but I'd be done by nine in the morning. Right. You know, so I'd go home, I'd take a nap, uh, and then get up and I'd have just so much time to work on my art. Right. So yeah, it really worked out. Yeah. That's, I mean, these are the sacrifices you got to make, especially doing this kind of art, but just any being, an, being a fine artist, it's like... You have to make serious sacrifices one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, because I had read about some comics dude. I can't remember who it was. Uh, you know, but he worked like a, a security gig where he sat, you know, like in a in a space where he was like just like looking at monitors and stuff. You know, right. so where he didn't have to pay too much attention, and he just worked on his comics. Uh, his comic style while he was in there the whole time. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, you, if you want to do a very specific thing, sometimes you got to step back, uh, you know, and take a weird, not a weird job, but just a regular ass job for a little while, right. um, and work it into your schedule. Uh, you know, but it, it was, it just wound up to be, you know, really fulfilling. Yeah, I'm sure. I actually didn't even mind, you know, working at the gym. It was all right. At the time, I was working out a lot, so it was great. Well, talk about a, a an easier job than than a fucking rushed illustration job. It's like that's hard work, you know. It's like having just kind of a regular desk or a front desk at a at a gym has got to be a oh, lot yeah. lot easier than oh my God, like yeah. totally low pressure comparatively, right? Dude, so, yeah, it was ridiculous. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, just goofing off and right. <laughs> checking people in and, you know, because all the – where the desk was, all the salesmen were up there. So we were just bullshitting all the time, most of the time anyway. So, yeah, that's a much easier way to make a little bit of money than, yeah, rushing to do some illustration you're not interested in at all. Right. That's the worst, man. I know. Like, Trying to be creative on something you're just not into, yeah, it is like pulling teeth. It's man. torture. It, yeah, and it's torture. that's that's what really just started to get me so much. I was just like, I can't do this anymore, man. This is just, I'm not interested in this stuff, and I'm trying to be creative, and they keep raining me back in, and I'm just like, this is, this is just killing me. So yeah, I gotta do something different. Yeah. So you you uh, how long you say it was. How long did it take you before you were able to 
Are you supporting yourself fully on on the uh, fine art now, or are you still uh, doing yeah. side job, side gigs, or like illustration? I do gigs? some freelance stuff here and there still. Uh, yeah, that's cool, but it's super limited. Yeah, and then and now, so the cool thing was like, so now stepping away from freelance and doing my own thing, you know, I, I created this style that's very unique. Uh, so now if a freelance company contacts me, they know exactly what they're getting. Right. Like, they're coming to me looking for that. Exactly. As opposed to just, I'm just a guy filling a spot and I'm going to do their thing. Right. Yeah. You know, they're coming to me looking for my thing. So it's a little easier now. And it's cool. And yeah, can, it's better. It's like those are the jo- freelance jobs you want where they want you. You're not just a, another artist to you're not just another pair of hands. Exactly. You know, to for them to tell you what to do and you just do it. You're like a machine or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's what I felt like before. Like I was just a pair of hands, a pair of hired hands to do exactly what they wanted. And yeah, so it's way better now to be like oh, we have this thing and in our heads, we envision it looking like something Jim does. Let's go get Jim. Right. Yeah. So that's way better position to be in. Definitely. It's kind of the ultimate position, really. I mean, I, I like doing, I still do film gigs once in a while or designs or things for movies every once in a while now that I've <clears throat> established myself. But it's, it's the same thing. It's like people will come to me because of, because they want me. And it's like, right. I'm not just a, another guy like 10 other guys that could do this thing in a shop or whatever. Exactly. Um, I remember the weird thing I wanted to tell you the other weird, the weird thing because talking about demons and stuff. Have you ever had uh, sleep paralysis? No. You haven't had that thing where your, 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 your mind is awake and then your, but your body's completely asleep and you're, and you can't move. Or, hmm, no, I've never had that. You ever had an out of body experience where you're asleep? Kind of. You ever had any? Yeah, yeah, I have kind of things like that. Yeah, because that's the sleep paralysis. Basically, this is my own from my own perspective. I mean, they say it's like a scientific thing, but I think it's way weirder than just some scientific thing where your mind's awake and your body's asleep. But what I've noticed, because I've had out of body experiences while I sleep ever since I was like twelve years old, kind of pretty often and um it's like the uh the sleep paralysis happens right before you go out of body so it's like if you sometimes you kind of get stuck and instead of like floating around or flying around or however you know it kind of like turns into sometimes those out of bodies for me turn into lucid dreams and sometimes they turn it's a really weird all kind of related sort of stuff but um have you seen that movie, The Nightmare documentary? No. I oh my God, you got to see it. You have to see it. You have to. You have to. It's really right. good. It's just like it's interviews and anecdotal um, stories about people who've had these sleep paralysis things. Basically, you're trapped in your body, and then usually a black figure with like a weird, like a kind of a fedora type hat and like a big coat or some kind of weird big hat is standing there and anyway oh, people people in fedoras are already my nightmare so it sounds about right <laughs> well not more like like a gangster they're kind of kind of like they call him the hat he's known as the hat man it's kind of like a okay. gangster looking silhouette more like you know those gangster hats <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but anyway 
Anyway, uh, so I've had a lot of these experiences growing up, <clears throat> and they are – I'm telling you, man, the stuff they, they say in this movie, it's like I know they're not bullshitting because you can't make up the, this stuff up because I've experienced that same thing. So anyway, um, you know, sometimes I've had these things where I've been able to get out of my body and start floating around. Um, sometimes, but sometimes you get stuck and you feel this evil presence. Like, I mean, evil, like spiritually evil. And I was never raised. My mother was like super new agey, not like super. I wasn't raised super, uh, strict religious or anything. It was very, you know, there is no evil and everything, you know, new age, new age kind of stuff. Love and light shit. So for me to experience something that felt like an evil presence was like, it's really weird. Like, anyway, regardless, the, the one I had recently was I was laying in bed. This happened like a week or two ago. And I was stuck in my body. But it's like I could see through my eyelids. And I was looking down towards my feet. And I knew there was something at the bottom, at the foot of my bed. Kind of like, I don't know, four feet tall. And it was kind of like shaped like a bell, I guess. Right. And but it was invisible. But I knew the shape. I could still tell what it was shaped like. And coming from this shape, this invisible shape, was this old lady screaming at me in another language. Like, oh wow! I was like, it sounded like I was thinking it sounded like Romanian or Russian or something. And she was like cursing at me. Like I could tell she was cursing at me in another language top of her lungs it was so scary and so loud and i just couldn't get out of it and then she started coming around to my head right the side of the bed and i was able to kind of like wake myself up and pull myself out of it um but the weird one of the weird parts is when i woke up i was like i was thinking baba yaga oh yeah, yeah. i was just thinking that and i was like Ah, it's probably because I don't know. Six months ago, I, I noticed that Hellboy, the new Hellboy movie, had Baba Yaga in him. Right. You know, and like I didn't think much of it. Uh, but that was the first thing that popped in my head. So then I was telling someone about it, and um, I was like, "Yeah, she had like a Russian or Romanian accent," and I was like, "Oh shit, I think it's like." What did I say? I said something that made me realize, like, oh, Baba Yaga is like a Russian, Russian, yeah. Slavic myth. So I went and looked it yeah. up, and it was like that was kind of, that was pretty weird. <laughs> you know, it was really, really weird and scary. But um, that's wild. Yeah, it was totally. So I, I ended up painting a picture of of a giant witch's a giant witch's head that I imagined on the foot of the bed, even though it was like, it was invisible and it really was just like a, it was almost like the, reminded me of the, the French fry guys from McDonald's, you know, just like (laughs) (laughs) weird, like round shape. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, it it made me think of the, uh, Goetia stuff. I don't know. You haven't had any weird visitations since you've been doing, doing any of this stuff. Uh, no, not really. Maybe that's why, because you're doing it. That's, yeah, that's your, yeah, it could your, be. your deal. You've struck with them. Leave, leave yeah. me alone. I'll do these badass paintings if you just don't fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, how long? Uh, 
how when did you when were you able to like stop doing the the part time job? Like how long did you have to do that before you were able to work this into a sustainable I lifestyle? I, I think I did that for probably about a year and a half or two years, I think. Okay. Uh, and then my wife, uh, she got her PhD in criminology. Uh, oh. We moved out to Portland. Cool. Uh, you know, and she she has um, she has a good job, so that helps. Like that's great. You know. Uh, you know, artist finances are a weird thing. Like, if I had to support both of us, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it just on art. Right. Like, you know, her having a good job is super important in the, the mix of being able to, you know, make ends meet. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. So you have... I try to be. I, I try to be honest about that with with other artists. You know, like. Um, Mary think well. About, <laughs> think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, think about the kind of lifestyle that that you want to have, you know, right. like no matter what kind of art you do, you're probably not going to make a ton of money. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, think about that going in and think about the kind of job, you, you know, that your spouse or significant other has or whatever. Right. And, you know, and then, you know, that'll be able to help you decide what kind of things you're going to be able to do. Yeah, everyone's got a specific set of circumstances, and right. you know there is some way if you just have to do this. I think it was Robert Robert Williams. I know Robert Williams said this. But I'm sure a lot of other famous artists have said it too. But it's like I saw this interview where Robert Williams was like, "Don't be an artist unless it's all you can do. Unless you have to do it. Right. Unless it's like a compulsion." Yeah. It's too hard to make a living at if you know yeah. unless it has to be the thing that you're supposed to be doing or that you have to do because it's just too difficult to make a living. But you know, I'm a firm believer yeah, like, that you can make it work. You just have to adjust yeah. your like you're saying. You have to kind of take everything into consideration and adjust how your your living situation is going to be. You know, yeah, and mm-hmm. you you pay some kind of price. Like I I I ha- in order for me to make it work, I have to always work i don't have i don't hang out i don't go places it's like i I gave up a social life which is i'm a solitary kind of dude so it doesn't sound so bad i got my wife got you know family that comes over and stuff but you know i gave up going to concerts and stuff i used to do it's just like i don't do that stuff anymore it's like you got to give something up unless you're independently wealthy yeah and but I mean, it's like, it's the thing you love so much that it's not, it's not a problem. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's worth there, it. There needs to be a balance. Like, you know, you, yeah, there needs to be a balance. But, yeah, for sure. You know, like, like if you, if you think you want to be an artist as, as a living and you've uttered the sentence, oh, I didn't really draw that much this month. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't have it, right? Right, or, or you're missing it right now. But right, man, if I go, if I go a few days without drawing, putting pencil to paper, I'm just like, God damn it! Like, right, it's, I don't like it. Yeah, it's like a. It feels like a 
in a good way. It feels like a like kind of an addiction to me, like a drug in a way, because it's like if I don't if I go a certain amount of time, because I'm a lot of time, a lot of my job now is managing my art business because I'm making most of my money from print sales and right. commissions, this that. So I, I have to devote like the first half of every day to all that business stuff. Right. So, but um, uh, what the hell was my point? What were we just saying? Um, right before that. Well, was, <laughs> oh, God damn it. I'm so bad at this. I do this all the time. <laughs> totally lose my train of thought. Oh, man. It's, it's the curse of being an artist. What the hell was it? I wish I could back it up and remember. You have to give – oh, like like if you haven't – like I freak out if I haven't drawn oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a certain amount of time. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's like <laughs> – so when I when if I get really bogged down with business stuff and it's like you know I'm only doing that for a week or something and I don't get to get – I'm not at the easel or drawing or doing something, I really am – it makes me in a bad mood. And when I'm yeah. able to do it, it just makes me in a good mood. Like I feel so yeah. good when I'm – there's really no better high I get than 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 creating an amazing piece that I feel like, man, this is so good. I really nailed it, you know, and it's yeah. like I love this painting. And it's not even like I want to sit and look at it after. I really – I'm not one of those people that just likes to enjoy their own work. It's like the, the paint, the creating it. It's, yes. it's the part. It's so much fun. It's like this puzzle game. You're playing with yeah. yourself all the time, and you're trying to solve this puzzle. It's just so, so – I get such a buzz from it every time. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that the other day. It's the problem solving that I right. love the most. Yeah. yeah. All these little all these little things that crop up in the development of a piece and figuring them out to – you know, whatever, whatever at the time is a satisfactory solution is, right. is for me the fun part. Like I don't have – I have maybe one piece of my own art hanging up in my apartment. I don't look at my stuff all that often. Right. I mean I do – I have done this Goetia project because I'm doing a lot of stuff with it. Like oh, you yeah, said, yeah. Like the, no, I, the business end of it. I'm but just saying as far as like – I'm right. going to put all my paintings up and sit, stare at them all for like, you know, hours in yeah. a day and right. think about how amazing I am. It's not like that. That's all the point I was yeah, getting exactly. at. Once a thing is done, uh, t- to me, pretty much it's done. Like, I don't go back to many pieces right? Uh, to rework them or anything like that. Like, Yeah, that's pretty rare for me, too. Yeah, I feel sometimes like for this Goetia, like there have been some pieces – that I did for something else or, or earlier on when I didn't have so much of a focus that I brought and then incorporated into this because there was something in it I really liked. Right. But yeah, pretty much for me, once something's done, it's just time to move on. There's so much other stuff that yeah. I want to make to go back and putter on something that I feel is kind of already done. It seems like a waste. Right. You know, I we should have talked about this earlier. I'll talk about it in the in the introduction part, uh, your Kickstarter. <laughs> we oh. should have talked about that earlier, but I, like I said, I'll talk about it. That's how good I am at business. <laughs> start talking about art. I'm like, yeah, all right, we're talking about the stuff I love. I'll talk oh, about it in the intro to remind people. But, right. but tell tell me uh, about the Kickstarter, which I backed, by the way. Thank you, sir. Yes, of course. Um, so when I started uh, the project, I had always had in mind that I would do a Kickstarter to do a tarot deck and then – uh, when it's all, I get all the artwork done. Do the my version of the book itself. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then, you know, coincidentally, uh, a few months ago, a publisher from Germany contacted me and was like, do you, would you be interested in using all this artwork you're doing for a tarot deck? No, I wow. Published. I was like, uh, yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I was Will and intention how, right there. That's magic exactly. right there. Um, you know, he'd never done a Kickstarter, and I'd done a few, and I was like, we should really think about doing a Kickstarter for this. You know, I think it would be a good idea. So he was on board with that. So we put together the Kickstarter for the tarot deck, which is live now. Uh, it's only It's been up for... Three days now, and we're already halfway there, halfway funded. Yeah, so, you're going to make it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, and yeah, it's cool. He's been a good guy to work with. That's great. Uh, Hex, Hex and Hammer Publishing is the name of his company. Cool, Hex and Hammer. What, so um, we'll put a link in the description and stuff too, but for people listening, just how, do you, how would you find it if you're uh, looking for? Uh, if you went on Kickstarter and just typed in uh, Ars Goetia, uh, G-O-E-T-I-A, uh, it'll come up. Okay. Uh, or you could uh, – he published it under his thing, so uh, Hex and Hammer. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know if my it's under my name or not, but uh, – Okay. Yeah. Well, it's in the – we'll put it in – make sure it's in the body of the text below the podcast also. Uh, people should definitely go and support this because what a cool project. I mean, how is the, the tarot aspect of it working out? Is, is this publisher figuring out like this demon? Well, how does it work? Yeah. He's, <laughs> Cause that's really different than our traditional tarot deck. Right. I think uh, <clears throat> I'm not super familiar with a lot of the tarot stuff. I think there's different kinds of decks, mm. uh, you know, like, as opposed to whatever the traditional tarot is, you know, with the cups and the stabs and all right. that stuff. Uh, there's things, a thing called an Oracle deck, mm. which I believe is what we're, we're doing okay, here. Okay. So you're doing more like an Oracle deck where it's just a, 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 a like a, not strict to the tarot format, but like a right. s- same purpose, just a, yeah. you know, more like, and an then, or- okay. So there's going to be a, a real nice hardcover book, uh, that you can get with the deck where he'll have explanations in there of uh, various, you know, ways to lay out the cards and to interpret, you know, what they mean and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I got to adjust my pledge then. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get that too. Yeah, that sounds amazing. You know, I'm working on my Kickstarter book from five years ago. It's oh, yeah? Ter- terrible. I'm almost done though. It's happening. It's finally getting done this year. Thank God. It's been such. I, I did a bunch of uh, successful Kickstarters before with helped uh, fund the documentary that Mike Carell made about me. And, yeah. But this book, man, it threw me for a loop because I'm I'm in charge of the whole thing. It's not like I got someone that's like, okay, I'm going to publish it and deal with everything. Right. And it's a guide. It's like a Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials. Yeah. It's basically my. Inspired by that, but my um, all the world I've been painting for the last right. fifteen years, so it was really difficult because there's all these cross referencing. Yeah. It's really it was so difficult, man. And so I'm just I'm relieved. I want to be able to do another Kickstarter. I haven't been able to do one for like five years or four years, or however long it's been, because I got to fulfill this one first, right. you know. And I got so behind right off the bat, and I never was able to catch up until the pandemic year. 
seriously it's like everything shut down it was kind of an opportunity it's like okay i can you know i can get this done now finally Man. right so that was one good thing to come out of the pandemic i guess <laughs> <laughs> but uh what do you, do you guys have a, a, a date uh the date that you're planning on having it done or uh yeah so um he plans to have all the decks shipped out by the end of the year. So December. Excellent. But like the way it's set up, like right now, you know, so if it gets funded at its base level, there'll be 50 cards in the deck. All that artwork is already done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there, I mean, that could go right to print right away. And then there's stretch goals. Um, you know, one stretch goal takes it to 60 cards, and the next one takes it to 72, which is all of the demons. Oh, you got to hit that. <laughs> you got to <laughs> do that. Are those all so, done? All 72 done, or are you still working on them? I'm still working. So I have uh, I have 12 that I did with that really detailed drawing style that I do that are done, and then... Uh, 49 or 50 paintings, you know, so if you tally those up, uh, that's, you know, 61 or 62 that are, you know, completely finished. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's 10 more, you know, that are in various uh, stages, you know, on my iPad of of being done. Okay. So, yeah, even if we get to 72, uh, yeah, completing that artwork shouldn't take uh, very long because, like I said, they're all in various stages of finish well now it's also you you know time to put all the experience you got busting out paintings so fast for these card companies you know yeah. it's like i bet you're a really fast painter now that's one really great thing to come out of that i imagine yeah you definitely learn you know speed and uh i've been working a lot digitally lately but even when i was working traditionally you know being an illustrator painting traditionally you learn a lot of shortcuts, you know, getting the paint to dry faster and, and stuff like that. And, right. You know, what colors, you know, if you, you know, if you lay down a bunch of thick white, that's not going to be dry. Right. <laughs> Just learn what, what colors dry fast and what don't and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Just how to make things faster. Well, uh, before, before we're getting near the end here, but before um, I let you go, I have to ask you a little bit, of, a little tech bit about technique and stuff, because I'm a huge technique nerd. Sure. I, love, I love hearing about that stuff and, and learning yeah, how, me too. how artists, yeah, I think a lot, most artists seem to be really into, yeah, <laughs> for sure. into, into that sort of thing. I mean, what's your process for how you work? Uh, you know, technically, how to right. create your paintings and stuff. When I was uh, earlier on, I was going back and forth a lot between traditional media and then uh, digital. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would start just kind of drawing uh, the part of the the figure. Uh, you know, because I had mentioned like mine are almost always based on the human as its core component yeah so maybe sketch out a torso or something and then i would take that onto my ipad and just really just start splashing stuff around and moving stuff around and it's all kind of willy-nilly um 
and then I would print that out and then paint and draw on top of that and take it back oh, to the really? computer and then back to the printout. And then I would get to a point where I was like, okay, I really like what's going on here. And I would print that out at, you know, about 18 by 24, uh, mount that on Masonite and then do the finished oil painting on top of that. Are you serious? What a, that's a badass workflow. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Cause what, then I what would, were you working? What were you printing out like in the early stages to paint on on top of it on canvas so the, or something? Happened in the early stages. Uh, I was doing all kinds of crazy shit, like because it didn't. I just needed to get either a scan or a photograph of it so that I could put it back into the computer. Right. So I would be mixing weird ink and oil and stuff that I knew wasn't going to set. Right. Because it didn't matter. Oh, I was just so looking cool. for weird textures and color combinations and shit like that. And it's, yeah, just so I could go back and forth. And then once I did that final printout, you know, it could have all of those cool swirls and weird stuff where these two media that probably weren't supposed to get it, right. go together uh, had mixed in a cool way. And then I could just, you know, then repaint in oil uh, on top of that or just kind of leave it like, you know, like if you look at those paintings up close, there's areas where the, the printout is much more visible mm-hmm. and then other areas where the paint is really thick. I right. like that look at a painting, you know, like, uh, you know, like old masters, like their shadow areas were super thin right. uh, glazes, but then the highlights were really thick. Chunky, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. opaque. I love that stuff. So I was trying to kind of like a modern way of playing off of that technique. It's so cool. I love that. So it's kind of like they're, it's kind of mixed media in a way. Yeah, for sure. Like, so you're printing on canvas and mounting canvas to. I'm printing on like a real, like I send it to a guy who uh, photographs my paintings and he also has a like giant printer you know so he prints on this really thick uh paper uh you know archival uh paper and then, and you, then yeah then I, and then you can paint on top of it with oils yeah so then i bring it home uh i cover it with uh like an acrylic medium okay you know so that seals it uh down and seals the um ink and stuff you know under the the layer of medium and then i oil paint on top of that that is so cool man i, I gotta try that, that. <laughs> it's so much that's like another, so fun. you know that's just another interesting thing that i learned by stopping illustration you know and and saying like how do i want to work you know what what right. can i do that is going to make my work stand out and be unique uh, and different you know, and I just found that just sitting down and oil painting just really wasn't me. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I just, there's things I wasn't able to achieve. Right. Uh, and that's maybe, you know, probably due to my own, you know, not understanding the media as well as I should. But then I just started screwing around, you know, like I said, going back and forth between these experiments and the computer. And I was like, oh, this is, this is where it's at for it's, me. It sounds so fun, man. I love yeah. that idea. And I, I really started to get on board uh, with this idea of whatever whatever gets the painting that you want in the end right. is, is, is fine. Right. <laughs> you know, like I used to be a 
kind of a snobby like purist like oh that person did this to right. achieve the painting uh, like, that's <laughs> fucking bullshit man just whatever gets a cool painting done is is cool totally yeah i think that's a that's a younger artist thing yeah because i used yeah, to be for like sure. that too yeah then you get older and you're like fuck it no <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> once you start making a bunch of paintings you're like i get it <laughs> um Wow, that's so interesting. Um, so, are you going to show all these paintings, or uh, do you have do you have a a show planned out? Or, or? no, because well, like I said, I, I got um, I got more and more digital as the process went on mm-hmm. because I just found like um, on my iPad with Pro- Procreate. Yeah, Procreate's awesome. You can just do so much cool shit so quickly. I know that I think I just got kind of spoiled. Like, <laughs> I just, like this is the best, man. I'm just able to do, you know, so much cool shit, and you know, just being able to zoom in as far as you want. I know, I know. I know. Maybe I got a little lazy. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> so did you did just, you do all of them? Are are they all digital, or is like some no, of, some of our? Uh, there's probably. You know, well, there's the 12 drawings, right. you know, just straight sit down and draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's probably 12, uh, you know, oil paintings. Okay. Uh, more than that, I'm not, I'd have to go in and count. You, uh, st- you still have the originals? I've sold quite a few. Uh, okay. Uh, there's a few left. So there probably won't be a show. There's not enough. There's not enough actual paintings left to have a show. Right. And drawings. Most of them have sold. Um, and then the rest are digital. Right. Cause that would have been cool to have a whole, if you could, that's like, you have to be able to afford to do something like that though. Not sell, hold on to everything and not yeah, make any yeah. money. Like it's the, like, like going into this, that was part of my model, you know, was right. to sell originals. Yeah, as I yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. It would have been cool though, to have like a big opening of the, at the show yeah, and, then, and then release the, the tarot and all that stuff. But you know, I, I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to. There's so many paintings that now I look back and I sold. And I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have to sell that one. But at the time, man, that was that was mortgage. That was exactly. it. You know? yeah, exactly. I had to. And now it's being sold for like three or four times the price I, I sold it for. Plus, I only got half of that because it was through a gallery. But <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. It was at the time. Yeah, I, mean, I was like so say, happy to time, You got to do what you got to mm-hmm. do, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can't. Something I tried to, you know. I this, you know. I told you about this magic explosion in the prices of originals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you'll see work you sold five years ago getting sold for, you know, like you said, like three, four, five times right. what somebody paid for it. You can't let that shit get to you, man. No. I know artists who are just, I mean, they are just stewing and steaming <laughs> and just so upset about it. And it's like, dude, thats at the time, that guy gave you money that helped you pay your rent or your car payment yep. or whatever the hell that you had to have to keep going. And you it keep- only, yeah, and it only benefits you because people are seeing your work sell for five times as much in the secondary market. They're like, you know, right. that, that adds a lot to your reputation as an right. artist, you know? And I mean, you know, that guy going into it, you know, uh, probably saw that painting as an investment, and right. that's what happened. You know, he good for him. He yeah, made exactly. Money. Like I don't, I'm not good mad at that guy. Good for him. Yeah, that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. So 
I just, uh, it's weird when I see these artists who are so bent out of shape about it. Right. But, whatever. But it's really cool, man. That, that magic community is pretty interesting. Like some of these uh, collectors have started, like when they do sell an artist's painting for a lot more than they bought it, they will send a percentage of the profit they made to the artist. Really? And that's like that's like unheard of. Man. Uh, yeah. I'm like that that's is amazing. So cool. That's totally yeah. cool. Yeah, it really is cool. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's great. Um Yeah, of course I have to bring this up before we before we end. I, I could go on technique wise, but I don't want to keep you all day or about how you paint stuff, but uh since you're doing all this stuff digitally I have to bring the NFT thing up. <laughs> I hate to bring up NFTs because it, it's like the the hot trend now. But right, your stuff. With, I mean, NFTs of the Goetia demons seems kind of like a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to do it now, but it just. I, I or just, if you are into I'm it, I don't so, know. I just don't understand that world at all, really. Yeah, so I'm a little hesitant. To jump into it, it's hey, same here. I'm taking my time because yeah, I'm going to let some things kind of uh, settle, you know. Because when it first popped off, uh, you know, on Twitter and stuff, I didn't want to be in that mess. I mean, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I saw I kind of hate artists that. just bashing the shit out of other artists. Yeah, yeah, fucking hate. Yep. Um. So. I was just like, I'm not getting involved in this. Like, I don't, <laughs> Same you know. here. I got hit up by a bunch of people that were wanted me, wanted to kind of do it for me for a percentage. And I was just like, I'm not going to jump it. Even if I miss out on a million dollars or whatever, a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump in like that. It's just without knowing what I'm doing. It's just not me. Yeah. Know? Like, you know, because everybody's freaking out about the environmental yeah, cost. Right. Like, I just don't know enough about. Yeah, know, yeah, I know. The mind of Ethereum and what it's. Right. Yeah. How, what it does to the environment, I just don't know, and I'm not gonna. Right it's, now. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Environmental. I mean, I've researched yeah. it a bit. It is really bad. It's one of those things, though, that once they do this thing called staking. I don't understand. I barely understand it. But once they do this thing, then it, the, the environmental issue won't be an issue. Right. So it's so that's, like that's what I've heard too. So that's kind of what I'm waiting for. If I can, yeah, wait for I it. I think I'm in the same boat as you. Like yeah. I'm waiting until it's the environmental impact is not going to freak everybody out. Right. And then I'll I'll, I'll wait in there. Do, do you? Can you? I mean, seventy two. NFTs of the, I mean, it's like, amazing. it seems like it's, it's so perfect. It would be so awesome, especially since you did so much of these, so many of these digitally. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be super cool and it would be great to have another uh, income stream right. from this. That would be fucking that, fantastic. That's what made me think about it is that, you know, you can set it up to get like 10% every time it sells on the secondary market. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I'm considering, but like I said, I, I need the the waves to simmer down a little yeah, bit, you know, yeah. before I, I wait out there. Al, you know, Alex Gray. Yes, he just sold one yesterday for two hundred grand. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's awesome. But I'm like going through his 
feed and I'm like, oh, okay, I want to see all, how many people are hating on him about the environmental thing. And it's like, people are, most people are cool, but a lot of people are just giving him shit in, in a way that is, you know, I understand the environmental concerns, but man, people are so fucking self-righteous online. And it really, I hate it, 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 I it, it makes, fucking me, hate it. it makes me want to make an NFT in spite <laughs> of those people, just because even if you're right about, even though you're right about this environmental impact, I, something about it just rubs me the wrong way that you're so self-righteous and indignant about it. You know, it's, it bothers me. You know, uh, there's a guy I love, uh, Pascal Blanche who does, um, like just really cool hybrids of 3d and 2d. And I know that name, a, but, uh, you know, he, he put some up and, you know, he got just hammered. And I liked what he said. He's like, look, man, he's like, I walk to work every day. You right. know, I think he said he's, he's vegetarian. You know, he does all of these things to, you know, to keep his carbon footprint low. He's like, I'm only doing additions of one. So everybody right. just fucking relax. Right. You know? <laughs> take it easy, man. Yeah, I just, the reactionary just torment torrent on the internet yeah I really hate i really don't like it and same here so i just kind of try and stay away from it yeah me too yeah it's 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 it's, it's all a, this weird holier than now bullshit yeah like, what you're on your phone on twitter yelling right. at some guy about the environmental impact of things Right. So who, who made that phone? Like, where did that phone come from? Yeah, there's a, I mean, the whole world is, I mean, there's no way you can't be a part of it. It's right. fucking every, everything. That, I'm not saying that that makes it all okay and that there shouldn't right. be concerns. And definitely there's concerns and, you know, they there's may, way, they might, there's even, a, yeah. yeah, there's a way to voice those concerns without being a total asshole. Not equal to, <laughs> calling for the end of an artist's career right that's like right that's one thing i want to say like there's been some stuff online lately and you know people are saying that dude's career should be over all you people asking fuck for the you. end of a dude's career need to shut the fuck up yeah man. yeah because you have no idea how hard that dude has worked yep to get where he's at and whatever this infraction that you think is the end of the world is really not that bad like yeah. In in comparison to this dude's 20 years of slugging it out to make a living as an artist. Yeah, man. I'm with you. I it pisses me off. I feel like yeah. in a in a in a way it has to do with my age, you know? I somehow I feel like I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I feel like I have a broader perspective about things and it's so and it's just the idea that None of these people that are calling out these people, they don't have anything to hide, right? They've never done anything wrong. You know yeah. all those people have got shit they yeah. would not want brought up and all you know, if it came out, all of their friends would fucking leave them in a second and turn on them and it's like it's so it's just so ugly. <laughs> it's it's so bizarre to me, like uh I don't wanna they like said I don't want to mention names, but Right. You know, there was an artist who recently came out in the magic community as a really terrible sexual predator oh. that I knew about, you know, and I, 
I'll just say up front, I don't like this motherfucker, and <laughs> I am glad to see his career go away. Right. But then to lump in a guy who did some NFTs with a guy who's a sexual predator right. and say that their penalty should be equal. Right. I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. So Anytime you're just, fucking with how a person makes their living in that way, it's just wrong. Even if you, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree. I've, I know of people, sexual predators also have been ruined and I'm like, good, but you know, it, yeah, that's a, that's a super serious thing. Right, right. Compared and, to this, no, yeah. Putting up an NFT is not that big a fucking deal, dude. <laughs> Relax. I know. Anyway, yeah, well, I, I agree with you. And, and so, well, I've got things that would be perfect for NFTs too. And I just, I, <clears throat> I'm just kind of waiting, think, like, for, like you were saying, for things to settle down. And hopefully the, the boom doesn't end by then. But, yeah, you know. Uh, like I said, though, in one way, just out of spite, make, I, 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 I want to make one just out of spite because these people piss me off. Even if yeah. I, even though I may agree with them about the environmental impact and it's really bad, right. do not be an asshole. It's so simple, you know. You don't have to be an asshole about it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'm a huge uh, Larry David fan. Oh yeah, and, uh, me too. <laughs> enthusiasm last season, he made a spite store. Yeah, yeah, the spite. Yeah, that's what I was thinking actually. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> I want to start doing things just for spite, just because. Yeah, just, just to stick it in people's faces sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but then that that's that. Then that becomes a. Per- I, I never could really do it. I'm just not like. I, yeah, I, I just would, like the idea. Yeah, of it. exactly. I fantasize about it, but I won't actually yeah. do it. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate. Yeah, thanks you so much, Chad. This com- was great coming on the show, and I really, really uh, hold your work in such high regard. You're really amazing. Thanks, man. So good. Thanks, and like I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Like I said, no bullshit. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, man. I really looked to you as a a model of how I could make this happen. You know, on my own. That's so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. That, well, that means a lot to me because I, uh, I I hold you up on a pedestal because your shit is so amazing. Um, and like I said, I really feel like yes, we got we got a really good one on our side. You know, this is so good. It's so good for the <laughs> we community. Team jerseys and shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dark arts. Yep. Crew. <laughs> So, um, yeah, e- excellent talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, Yeah, it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, super fun. So, uh, And good luck with the Kickstarter. And um, everybody support it if you can. If you can't afford to support it, just share it. That's a good way of supporting if you don't have any Definitely. money yeah, for sharing it. Sharing so. helps out a lot. Yeah. All right, so let's say goodbye to the audience. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I really appreciate it. Goodbye, audience. Goodbye, audience.